Welcome to The Truth In His Heart. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I'm excited to be in conversation with a multi-talented pianist with a diverse range of influences, including jazz, hip hop, and gospel. He's known for his innovative Street Serenade series and his group, the Aaron Hill Trio, which pays tribute to the legendary Keith Jarrett Standards Trio. Please welcome Aaron Hill. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, hey. What's happening, fam? I, I appreciate it. I actually lied. I, I gave you the full intro. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. I've had a few people say, yo, can I just get that and use that right. from like my ringtone? I was like, look, whatever you need, whatever you need. Yes. That <laughs> so again, thank you for coming on. And for no. starters, um, for starters, I want to talk about a bit about your sort of like your journey as a creative, as a renaissance man, as a man that wears many hats. And currently you are wearing a hat. Um, and, and how did you end up in this sort of current work that you're in? Well, at age five, my gifts were uncovered by my mother. When for Christmas, she bought me my first record player, 26 records, one for every letter, with songs that made me dance and learn my alphabets better. At eight, I was good at rhyming words, but didn't know it until one day my mom said, you're a really good poet. It was Mother's Day. <laughs> and nice. I was so surprised because all I did was give her a card with thoughts and words that I rhyme. So that's where my my journey started. <laughs> and that <laughs> that actually is um the first like eight bars of uh, a children's book that I wrote recently that just tells my whole story. That's really where it started. I started off at age five with my mother. She gave me some records and that opened up my mind to music in a new way. And it was a lot to follow from there. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, that's that's the first time that uh someone started off their story with like some bars. So uh, <laughs> much appreciated. <laughs> so for me. Yeah. Um yeah, because I, I, I look back on my stuff. I think some of those really early things, like you, you kind of start off with a, a point where you know you want to pursue something creatively. You know, like when I was a kid, it was I thought I was going to be a, 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 the next great illustrator, next great comic book artist. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I did rap for a little bit. We will never play those songs on here. Uh, that would be my. OK, <laughs> go ahead. My, my journey went. The reason why everything started off as bars, because everything would go from my mother giving me the record player to me becoming a rap artist, you know, even before, you know, uh, piano and that kind of thing. So uh, I can relate. And if I play a song, you got to play a song. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, my aliases were, they were out there. It was a lot of uh, marble composition books right. at City College <laughs> back in the late 90s. It, it was something. It, it was something. Yeah. Not a lot. Not a lot. It was something, though. Uh, it's true, man. <laughs> no, that's the thing about it. It was true. It was truly who you were, you know, and, uh, you know, the self-expression, you know. Yeah. So I know you learned something great from it, you know, and it was fun times, probably. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of cornrows being worn. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of jabos on white tees. Look, we're, you know, don't, don't make, don't bring me back. I, you know how those kids are doing like 90s days or have your 2000s days. I might like cosplay as myself from high school one day. Hello. Oh, okay. Dope. All right. I'm not even going to, I'm going to leave that alone. I'll put the unit on and everything. It's going to be great. <laughs> so, Let's see. I read that your your music your musical background right has influences from like iconic artists like Keith Jarrett, Robert Glasper, uh, Chick Corea that that shaped your sound like um, as as in style as a pianist. Talk talk more about that. Yeah. So I got influenced 
and uh, interested in playing the piano at about 17 after, you know, poetry and then hip hop, 14 to 16 and 17. I got interested in taking my music further because I was like, if I could do this this well, as far as chopping samples and making beats by ear, what would happen if I learned? And I decided to pick the piano at 17. I taught myself how to read music. And then I started getting into learning how to play the piano from there. Um, I was first influenced by classical musicians as well as, well, I say classical musicians like Bach and Beethoven, jazz musicians like McCoy Tyner, Chick Corea, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. um, hip hop producers and that kind of thing. Um, but my top five were, you know, being influenced by Chick Corea and Herbie Hancock you know and just those guys that were around in like the 70s crossing over jazz blazing new pathways and that kind of thing you know um yeah that's where it all started and i, I really got infatuated with jazz and jazz piano because of the level of expression you know it was like the, it was boundless i um i started really like i i didn't have that appreciation for it when i was younger i just wasn't quite ready for it and yeah. I find that I'm not a smooth jazz guy. I'll be honest about that. I I like a little I like a little stank on it. You know, I like <laughs> you, you know it got to be a little something there, and you know it's got to have that bop, as it were. And yeah, yeah. You know, I start looking at the vinyl, the the burgeoning vinyl collection I have. It's 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 more jazz records, and there's a lot of um, Charles Mingus stuff in there, and. I, I'm getting to a stage as I get older that I don't like lyrics anymore. I don't like words anymore. I, I just like the instrumentation. I like the musicality of things. Mm, I feel you on that. Yeah. I find like, you know, you, you know, like I watch a lot of movies and I do a movie review podcast. So when you notice something that like is bad writing or like substandard writing, you're like, yeah, let's move that out. Let's just get to <laughs> what you do really well. It's like playing that thing. <laughs> that, that, that's what I'm realizing, you know? I feel you. And then I feel like the other side of that coin, that's the bonus is like, you know, sometimes when you take away words, then you get to have your own story. You get to put your own story into the music and kind of let it speak to you, the words that will speak to you. And, you know, for someone else, it speaks to them in that way, you know, um, the way that it's best for them. So, yeah, I, I look at it like a canvas, like instrumental music to me is like that canvas where you have everything there and then you can just paint whatever kind of picture you want on top of that. You know, you can feel what you need. And then sometimes it's just the best thing, you know, for it to be open like that because it doesn't allow your, you know, your mind, your left brain to just get so caught up in like even what you were saying, like, you know, like, you know, getting tripped up by certain ideas or, or ways things are phrased or, you know, language, you know, use of language or intention and these kind of things, you know, instrumental music is just this there's just a purity to it mm -hmm. so i feel you on that so you know you you're, you're kind of poking at it a little bit there we, we talked about it a little bit before we got started how has your like your your background your studies in like philosophy and theology influenced your approach to music and i have some other bullet points there but i at least want to start off with that standpoint yeah well i would say the first place where it influences me is i was brought up in the Christian church, the Holiness Pentecostal church. So, you know, where I learned my first 
experiences of music at a young age were in this environment filled with a lot of emotion, a lot of, you know, things that happen as far as improvisation, you know, um, and the way that everything worked together, you know, so to speak. So that from the bottom of my, who I am, so to speak, that influence, that's what you hear when you hear me play, yeah. you know, um, you hear me like, listening to the room to see what's the right tempo or pace or the right mood or the right song, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, so that was the first place that it really influenced. It influenced my improvisational nature, mm. um, my playing by ear, you know, later on and just feeling music, like embodying music as opposed to it just being like something that you're doing like a, a rote fashion, you know, something kind of dry and lifeless. So there there, there's a a feeling thing that 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 goes along with it, kind of getting a sense of an appreciation for what is around you, and just kind of taking from that. And I find that that, in in some ways, in my minimal experience in this area, but I I did therapy for like about a year, and right. the type of therapy I was in was uh, when I was like working within was um, mindful awareness. And it was just like being very aware of what you're feeling, what you're sensing, what are the thoughts that come with it. Right. And I read that you have a mindfulness background. So so talk about that and maybe how that connects to this whole sort of um, background that you have that might even like that that's, appears to be outside of music and outside of sort of creativity, but plays a role within it. Yeah. So coming from that environment of the church, you know, and that kind of thing where you're practicing mindfulness in different ways or trying to practice self-awareness, you know, to then we fast forward to the pandemic, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a ACDC, you know, a BC, you know, after COVID and before COVID. And so we get to the pandemic. And so I became, I've always had a fascination with psychology. So I became interested in psychotherapy and I decided to put myself in school um, for psychotherapy just to help my friends, family and community. Yeah. Um, I'm three years in now and out of doing that and this year grabbing a certification um, in mindfulness and meditation came this formula called 5M. And so 5M is a total self-care formula where I teach people how to decrease their stress, anxiety, grief, depression, improve their sleep, and increase their peace through music, movement, meditation, mindfulness, and mantras, positive affirmations. And so out of that brainchild, you know, comes workshops, it comes daily content, it comes, you know, a, a self-care album that I'm about to release, you know, that is pretty much like a mixtape. That's a combination of like a, a hip hop mixtape and a course for how to manage your stress better, you know, all in yeah. one. So, yeah, that's that's how it all came together. Music in my children's book, one of the things I mentioned was music calms us, puts us to sleep and entertains has even made me fascinated with the human brain. And now I'm studying and practicing all kinds of things, like how to use mindful music to make positive change. Sure. I went all the way back to what music first meant to me. It's made me happy in life. It's my therapy. You know, 
I like to share with my friends and my family and make them smile, move and dance so freely. So it, it's like full circle for me. Yeah. It goes back to what music was for me at 14, you know, on when I was with my friends after school doing it, not only staying out of trouble, but doing something that was productive and we're learning and growing and being creative and expressing ourselves to now adding the professional touch to it and wanting to do it my way as opposed to a traditional type of approach. I, I think, in, and thank you for sharing that. And congratulations, by the way, in three years in, you know, shout out to you. Um, right. I, I think when you have your own lane in, you know, cause that's what it sounds like. It sounds very similar. It's like, eh, no one else is really doing this at this rate or this style or whatever. And when those comparisons come in, it's just like, this is what I do. You know, this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it. But right. I, I love that you were able to tap back into why you loved it, you know, why you love doing it. And I think that's something worth revisiting regularly. Um, I usually ask this question of folks on, yeah. you know, kids, right? Whenever you're young, you just create to create. You don't have these different things that get in the way, the sort of doubts, the sort of comparisons, all of those sort of things that um, crush and kill creativity. You're Unless just, you're, just <laughs> you're just creating to create, right? And I ask people on occasion, like, how do you tap back in to sort of that that feeling when you're younger? And like I was saying before, you know, corn rolls out looking like Meek Mill in the video, just rapping to the camera. Um, right. You know, like, how do you tap back into it? And just mm. hearing that, you know, you were able to revisit why you did it and then apply that to what you're doing contemporarily. That that's just beautiful. That's beautiful. Thanks a lot, man. Um, you know, for me, I've been very, 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 very fortunate in my life, um, not only to have, you know, some exposure and experience in a safe environment that allowed me to learn it, you know, in my teens, but then also at 21, I got my first job at 21, you know, to go full-time music, making a hundred more dollars a week. And with 27 to 28 less hours, you know, um, you know, so from there, I've always my relationship with music from the very beginning to now has always been that consistent like place where it's fun for me. It's therapy for me. Um, it doesn't feel like work. Um, and I've been able to curate my journey where I can steer away from things that wouldn't that would make me have a not so good relationship with music. I've just been really, really fortunate. So, and I try to stay on that path and share that, you know, to help others. Yeah. And, you know, not, not everybody is, is down, you know, for, to take that journey. I, I try to, to share it for people who are doing this, who mm -hmm. are trying to do podcasting and storytelling and want to do something that isn't the easy thing of, yeah. you know, getting on the microphone and talking about relationships and drinking booze and having the whole, you know, the, 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 the factory settings, right? Just here's your sure mic. It's the same setup. No, nothing new, right, nothing different. Right. And, and I'll say like, you know, sometimes I, I, you know, it's like, you may not have the stamina for it. You know, that's why I just yeah. tell people like, you might not have the stamina for it at this point or, but I'm always like down to help and contribute to the community as you were touching on with, you know, some of the motivations behind what you're doing. And, mm. you know, it's, it, it can be a challenge sometimes. It's like, damn, you don't, you don't want to do this. This is what you want to do. You, you don't want it easier. All right. I guess I'll do what you do. You got it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that. What it makes me think about is I realize 
and this is a coping mechanism. This is what I learned. One of the biggest things I learned from studying psychology. Sometimes we will choose familiar and uncomfortable mm. over unfamiliar and comfortable. Just because the thing we're most afraid of is the unknown. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So it's just, yeah, it's, it is a tough thing, though, because it's like, man, you know, you don't want more out of this. But, you know, it's like sometimes you're just in that place where you just can't, you, you know, you just only thing you can deal with is just what you know and what's kept you safe. Yeah. I mean, even going back through and, and looking at the process, because I find like it would be, I think, irresponsible of me, at least from how I approach it, to ask questions of creatives and ask like certain things from them then to share themselves to bear their souls or what have you right right and not approach the questions from my point of view in the same way i'm asking them to approach them so you know i might look at things like all right what is my process how am i going about this and asking those sorts of questions and you know really going about it and one of the things that i do is try to incorporate those sort of challenging things in there because I don't like that easy path. I'd rather have something that's always going to keep it interesting because the minute in which I feel like I kind of mail that one in, these are the same questions. There's nothing new. I go to an old file and it's like, huh, Aaron Hill, you do this, dot, dot, dot. All right, I'm going to use this old interview ask these same questions. I'm just going to change the name for it. It's nothing interesting there. I'd rather... Or even when I feel like, like I said earlier, the questions are a framework and I feel like it's too stilted. It's like, it's on me yeah. to improvise and judge on the fly based on the tonality of the conversation. Yes. That, 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 you know, that's the thing, you know, and people don't see the little nuances there, but that's how I keep it interesting. And, yeah. um, you know, church, they call it playing by the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, how often are you, doing something musical related, whether it is, I need to listen to something for inspiration. I need to work on something. I'm always doing something podcast related, whether it's writing questions or what have you, or editing or whatever, but how often are you doing something to kind of keep the, the sharp sharp, if sharp, if you will. Um, well, I'm living it. So like the, yeah, <laughs> yeah the real thing is me now trying to figure out when am I not doing it, you know, cause yeah, <laughs> I'm living it. And it's so interesting because I'm living it in like a multiplicity of ways. Like if you were to listen to my my notes, like my my latest notes are, are stuff like this, you know, where it's literally I mean. Time is natural problem. Know that time is natural problem. Focus is time is natural problem. Want you to know that time is natural problem, right? Yeah. So, like, that's you know, that's that's music for me right now and in a moment, and and the way I'm living and and how I'm creating, you know. So, whether it be that or whether it be me, like last night, you know, I. I play at a jam session around here in Baltimore. They call it Baltimore's best jam session. And then I get the opportunity to play in every Monday. Like I'm I'm living and breathing music, you know, and this new passion of mindfulness and meditation and um, you know, just trying to be a light in the world. I'm I'm living and breathing it. Yeah. I'm always doing something. And and the funny thing is, what I've now invited myself into is 
the place of knowing that to be the truth and then just looking at my actions to find it or looking at like I might be you know washing clothes and you just notice the dryer like yeah you just like you're locking in with (laughs) so i'm yeah i'm just living you know music and that kind of thing at this point and um now i'm trying to find and have space outside of that (laughs) to be able to have bounce (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. i i I, I think that's i think it's very similar because you know i was saying i um i do a movie review podcast outside of outside of this and you know sometimes i have to look at it's like am i looking at this movie to enjoy it or am i looking at it critically to review it i'm like i have to delineate (laughs) what i'm doing and you know sometimes like the different podcasts if you will require different things like this is you know you're you're on you don't want to just kind of mail it in and you want to have like a good conversation where and something that's like you know fulfilling that feel like it's you know beneficial for both our times right and on the other side of it it's like that may not always be like you may have a guest you're like all right we got it thank you and sometimes you might just connect with someone's like, yo, we could talk for another 30 minutes. Right, right. And, right. And, that, and that's how it goes. And yeah. But I was I was looking at um I went to see a movie yesterday. We were we're recording this in uh, almost January, it's uh, December, but um I was looking at a movie yesterday. Um I went to see the the Whitney Houston movie. Oh, nice. And I'm we me and my me and my partner, we're doing the thing where we watch a movie, we usually watch movies together, yeah, and we have this rule. If we see more than three production companies, it's like, I don't know, guys. I don't know about this one. It was like six. And I was like, yo, I was like, a lot of people wet their beaks on this one, guys. So it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's living it. It's like I'm playing that sort of game, but it makes it fun. And fun. I think same time. finding that sort of balance of how much of me am I putting into it? I think that's where I'm really in that spot now. And I feel really good about that. Man, let me tell you, I, I one of the things that um, like one of the other quote unquote titles, if you will, that I have for myself with labels or ideas is um, being a creative content strategist. Um, yeah. And without going into anything ridiculous, it's really just helping people to understand how to capture and live their legacy in the same way that my folks were doing it in the 80s with the photo albums with the with the lamination right <laughs> yeah 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 and just saying now we have also HD versions of that and you could capture it this way and all you got to do is capture 3 seconds of this and just you know, and just keep it going because all of our ancestors wanted their recipes and their wisdom to go forward. And so now we can take oral traditions to a new level mm-hmm. and we can take documenting our lives to a new level. I believe in cloning now. And it's because what I mean is when you make doc, when you enjoy yourself, document your life, have fun and do these things, you're actually making hundreds of versions of yourselves that gets to continue on for what you stand for in the most beautiful and the most real way, like just the most real and honest, you know, and transparent way. So, um, yeah, man, every single day I'm talking to people and trying to explain one deep thing to them 
we grew up in industries and uh, labor-based societies where they can only use you for one thing. Mm-hmm. So they had to use you for one thing like you were one trick pony, but none of us ever were. So now we live in a place where you don't have to actually have that mindset. You don't have to split up who you are. You don't have to divide it into 10 YouTube channels or anything like you are your brand and everything that you're into. Yeah. Um, and so I just enjoy like trying to help show people that by example, but also just enc- encourage them in that way. Cause that is the reality that we're living in. And you're not going to be happy unless you live that way. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> yeah. It's, it's, it's don't horcrux yourself. And right. Oh man. Wow. <laughs> Making a Harry Potter reference. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Potter reference. Yeah. 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 I've, I've never seen any of the movies. I just throw that out there every now and again. This is how I consume <laughs> movies to know enough about it. To I sound like it. I'm smart. And I know just enough about Harry Potter to just understand that reference. So, <laughs> so boom, we're in the same page. We're here. We're here. <laughs> so how talk about in, 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 in talk about incorporating multiple genres into yeah. like what's your like sort of musical footprint, your your ear, how you right. approach music. Talk about that, how you blend those those influences. The one thing is, this is definitely one of those, like, this is just me being myself, right? Yeah. Where it started for me is, I'm going to take you back to my childhood for 30 seconds (laughs) or more. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, But where it started is uh, at 15, when I'm making beats, I, my family had a a, uh, digital cable Mm -hmm. when it first came out, where you had the different music channels. So I had a four track. And I used to hook it up to the digital cable box and take a Maxwell 60-minute tape and pop it in before I went to school. I would set it on one music channel, hit record, and then I would go to school. So one day it might be rock, another day it might be gospel, another day it might be jazz, another day it might be soundscapes, you know, another day it might be classical. When I would come home from school, I would take that tape and instead of, you know, chopping records or sampling from records, those were my records. It'd be my tapes. So every day I'd be making music with a different genre of music. So I hear different genres of music like a chef sees spices, yeah. you know, um, and they all just have their own flavors, but they're all one thing, you know. So the way that I incorporate them is literally just by letting what I hear just not just come out and just be. If I bebox something, but the and I'm singing a bass line that sounds like reggae, you know, and then the lyric sounds like Whitney Houston, you know, top of the range, like that's that's just what it is, you know. <clears throat> I, I proudly call myself a musical mutt, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, that's how that's how it all comes together for me as far as incorporating different genres. I love it. I love it. And I think a lot of times we we are who our experiences are, who are what our references are. And you listen to a lot of stuff, you do a lot of stuff, even if it's like you're a filmmaker for sake of argument, right? Yeah. And it's like I watch a lot of this different stuff. Inevitably is gonna pop up in what you're you're doing, what you're gonna make. Um had a conversation today with one of my painting friends and yeah, he one of the things he was suggesting is he was like one of the best ways to learn how to paint is to basically try to make someone else's style and then tweak it and make it your own. It. And you know, and a lot of people try to, oh, it just comes from, you know, it's just me just learning and being great. No, you're you're influenced by someone. That's and 
you know, that's just kind of how it goes. And it's very, very prevalent in in podcasting. This is why you see so many people kind of doing the same thing. There's Mm -hmm. nothing really unique. And I think people try to fall into this sort of formula. Yeah. Like, like I like this. (laughs) I like this quote. I like this quote. Um, is is this quote from uh, currency i believe a while a while ago years ago and he was just like i don't when i'm in album mode when i'm writing i don't listen to anything current he's like i'm going back to the 70s i'm trying to set a mood man yeah listen to his current stuff it's just like <sighs> yeah you know let me you know it's funny <laughs> i two things i want to tell you uh you know one thing is that my group when when my rap group was together right we would listen to music together and you know we would have the things that we enjoyed then we had the things that we didn't like so when we were when we determined like we didn't like it you know we had our discussions that was it we move on later on my friends would hear me still listening to that song and they'd be like why (laughs) (laughs) they were literally like why are you listening to that like this is terrible and this was me at 16. i said it's interesting because I learned the same things mm-hmm. from listening to good music and not so good music. If I'm listening to something that I think is is good and enjoyable, then it gives me a model of what I want to sound like, what I might want to do. If I'm listening to something that's not so good, it gives me a model of what I don't want to sound like and what I don't want to do. <laughs> or the other side of the coin, which I really love this, when I listen to something that I don't like, Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden from just being in it and just sitting in it and being like, if this person likes it or these people like it, I like I literally want to know why they like it. And then all of a sudden I hear something. I'm like, oh, that was kind of cool. And then I'm like, oh, and then all of a sudden my appreciation opens up, you know, in a in a unique way. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting, man. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, th- I think it's something to take from these things. It's just like you don't write it off. And even when there are some some of these sort of non-ideal experiences, you learn something yeah. from it. Um, you know, yeah. I've learned how to navigate and, and, and work yeah. with a lot of different people. And, you know, as I start looking at it more and more, it's like I'm essentially a professional in this field. And I, I operate as such versus some people just show up not ready, not prepared. Mike's a did the whole thing. And, you know, being for the most part, a one man show, I get a lot done with being kind of like a singular individual. Right. You know, that sounds super redundant. Um, uh, but, yeah. But, but, but yeah, it, it, it's a thing. And I, I think it's, you know, worthy of like, you may not have a, a interview that goes as well as you would like. You may not have an interaction that goes as well as you like, but it's something that I, I learned something from whether it's I may not like to go back and forth with people, you know, about scheduling right. an interview beforehand. I'll send over the email. If they get back to me, great. If they don't, also great. But yeah. I try to automate some of these things where I can. So it's almost like quality control. And I learned that through trial and error early oh, on. Right. Of you get too invested in it. Now, sometimes you can't do that all the time, obviously. But for the most part, about 90% of the interactions are almost off of a script. You know, Unless the person has an extra question or something, I got to add right. something more to it. But it ensures that, all right, everyone is getting sort of this, the similar treatment. So, you know, it accounts for, all right, maybe I misspelled that. Let me make sure I got that updated in a template or what have you. It's interesting. You know, I, I wanted to, 
I wanted to say, uh, share one more thing with you um, about this this topic. I'm loving this conversation, by the way. I want to something interesting. We're, we're talking about like, you know, people doing something, and basically, like you mentioned with podcasts or even like with music, where you hear a lot of music where people it sounds the same. It's just like this redundant thing, right? Nothing new. So here's something I think you might find funny. <laughs> so <laughs> in my very first rap, I had a gun. And I've never owned a gun in my life. <laughs> and why did I have a gun, right? Because the rapper? <laughs> <laughs> right. But here's the thing. This is the this is the funny part about it, right? So, you know, and my friends, man, we we have the greatest laughs off of that, you know, especially the older we get. They're like, you remember that time you had a gun? I'm like, <laughs> all right. Remember that time you bought pulled up the blicky in the studio? It's like, ah, <laughs> ah yeah. <laughs> We don't talk about that. <laughs> right. They're like, man, in your rap, you had a gun. And I'm like, yeah, no, man. And 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 it's always a fun story because the beauty of it is this. I was certainly lying. <laughs> <laughs> but in an interesting way, I also was living like my highest truth at that point, because my highest truth and understanding was I appreciate this art form. Mm-hmm. And outside of the, the 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 gun piece, I like the rhythm and the metaphor that the that the rapper actually used because I could get with that. That's actually some some high you know literary literary funk you know cool cool devices, right? Yeah. And then um, <clears throat> but me looking at that and learning something from it, but also realizing that the only way to get to who you actually truly are is to actually living your highest truth with the best you can understand about what it means to do whatever it is you're doing, you know, so that you can have that experience. You're going to have some experiences that are satisfying where you're like, yeah, I want to do that again. I actually like that. And that's regardless of whether it's the social norm or not, or whether it's accepted or not, like whatever you you come into that. And then there are going to be other things where you're like, how are you saying right now? Where you're just like, yeah, that's, that's dry. I don't want to do that anymore. But it helps you to learn what you want to do. I'm one of those people that doesn't believe you could actually ever make a wrong turn in life. All you can do is find new ways to get to the thing you were trying to get to or find something else where you realize you didn't even know that you were interested or like that pathway, that that scenic route, you know, and then by process of elimination, when you eliminate all the ways that you know, not to do something or that you don't like to do something, what are you left with? You're left with what you enjoy and how you like to do it, you know? So it's an interesting thing. Like, you know, uh, when the horn players all sound the same and he's just like, okay, but you still realize that is actually the path that you, you have to walk. Yeah. And then some people just eventually you get to that point and they have that, that experience from that and then it takes them another place and other people just stay there and that's who they are that's who you know it's interesting yeah i've had this this conversation with um, a friend about you know in filmmaking or what have you and he felt that it was his his time as a filmmaker was kind of he didn't love it anymore mm-hmm. and he, he wanted to go into photography and you know as a you know as an older person comparative to him you know it's just like just look at it you know, just look at like, maybe it's something you revisit. Don't, you know, don't cut pieces of yourself off. And, right. you know, that could be that that point for him where it's like, I'm going to go up here or I'm just going to like go here or just go in a completely different, like I'm crossing lanes. I'm going to a completely different place. I'm in a spaceship now versus a, an automobile. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I, I think it's just also recognizing like the why always the why like uh, yeah. you know that's that's why i always look at you know the how we can figure that out but the why right. is very important for me yeah the why tells you the direction you're going in and, and and it keeps you the most aware you know and then there's acceptance after that of all things that happen on that journey you know yeah, it's like <laughs> I, asked <for> this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ordered this didn't i like ah mm. I, I, in in psychology, they have this term called structured amnesia, right? Yeah. And I put on Facebook not too long ago that my piano style when it comes to improvisation is structural amnesia. It would be defined as psychology as structural amnesia. So, of course, you know, that sparked the conversation. This is also the way I live my life. It mirrors in the music. What it is is, like, I'm I'm just accepting of all the choices that I make and all the outcomes. Mm, yeah. So, and structural amnesia is where... You have just enough of a forgetting of what just happened, no matter whether you had a good experience or not, to make a decision that's not totally based on just what you experienced. Because sometimes that's helpful, and then sometimes... They they try to use that in, um, in, uh, in, in sports, and they use the whole power line, so if he has a short memory. Just like, oh, yeah, it never gets too up, never gets too down. And yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, we got blown out last week. Can't think about that. This is a different game different game <laughs> you know so it's that balance it's like to some degree you better think about that and be studying the tapes but then on the other side you don't want to get too overwhelmed where you can't be free from it like it's yeah, yeah it's that it's that center man it's that center so i'm enjoying when it whether, whether it's music whether it's in my personal life and relationships whether it's in um you know like looking at mindfulness and studying the mind and and, and looking at us and myself no matter where it is in life that's the place that I'm that I'm always striving for is like just that that balance, you know, yeah. such a place there. So I got I got two more questions for you, real questions, and then I got those rapid fire questions. Uh so let's see. Um I want you to to take a sec and tell us about um both the Aaron Hill trio and Street Serenades and you know, yeah. tell us about those a bit and then I'll hit you with the last last question um after that. Okay, beautiful. So um, <clears throat> during the pandemic, I got into another one of my fun creative moods. You know, <laughs> I look at I look at, you know, adversity as really opportunity, you know, opportunity to be creative. And so for many of us musicians, we didn't have inside gigs anymore. So I'm like, hmm, <laughs> um, I'm thinking about it and I say, OK, a couple of years ago, I had this concept called spur of the moment. Where I would just take my piano outside, find beautiful places in nature, and I record and just want to make nice videos in nature. And that was it. And so I thought about bringing that back in like 2019, 2020 hits, March of 2020 specifically hits. And then I'm like, okay, it's time for it. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was thinking what it might be because uh, I wanted to rename it so that we can, when people heard it, it could make more sense to like attach it right to something that they could see in their mind. So I was like, well, sidewalk serenades. And then the Creative Alliance here in Baltimore, my good friends, they called me and they were like, hey, you know, uh, we, that's been our series. We've been using the name. They're like, we want you to use it, like continue <laughs> on. But we just, would you work with us in fact, you know? Yeah. Like, hell yeah. So. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. But I was like, um, you know, I was like, all right, thought about a different name friend of mine and i brainstormed street serenades came about and then 
May 29th of 2020. I'm driving through Ellicott City to pick up an iPhone case from someone on Facebook Marketplace. Um, I've never been in this place called Taylor Village. It's where a lot of the flooding happens here, and you know that's what it's known for. And so it's this quaint little village, and I'm like, I have got to find a place to pull over, just pull out my piano and just play. It's just a beautiful place. I just want to play for these people. Yeah. And so I pulled up in front of this uh, this place, walked down the street, and set up in front of this sushi place. And just started playing and street serenades was born and they came outside they loved it all the people loved it and everything and so from that time until now i've done over 160 street serenades all around the dmv um on street corners on driveways and parks at playgrounds like you know all that kind of good stuff it's led to so many smiles, of course, and so many, you know, new relationships and new people that are just on my journey. It's led to that entire community where I started doing that, that whole business development um, and the shops on that, they all started supporting and that kind of thing. Um, so it led to some business, you know, connections. It's led to a whole lot, man. But most of all, it helped people through the toughest time that we've ever experienced in our history, yeah. you know, um, yeah, and I got the bonus of my mom calling me in March of 2020 and saying, and my mom's three years in as a retired um, school teacher, 30 years in a uh, inner city school, you know. Um, and my mom calls me in March of 2020 and she's like, son, uh, during this pandemic, I'm going to get some adult coloring books to, you know, buy, to pass the time. And so she did that, started sharing her pictures on Facebook, and two months later, people started asking for them. She started sending them to her. My mom turned into a, a pandemic artist. And today, wow. so over 500 original pieces wow. all around the city. I call her a hustle woman, right? My mom's 72, <laughs> and she's out there. She's out there. And at least 50 of my street serenades, my mom, we're right there together. Her with her art, me with, you know, the music. <laughs> and she says, we have our own mini artscape, you know. <laughs> it's been amazing, man. It's been amazing. Needless to say, our relationship has, you know, just gone to the next level. And we've gotten a chance to make legacy together. So that's what Street Serenades is. And Aaron Hill Trio was born during that time. Because trio for me goes back to where I started as a rap trio. That conversation, a trio conversation for me is the most fun. And so I developed the trio that had, uh, you know, upright bass player, um, Ed Rybick and drummer Eric Kennedy. They came out with me, you know, on a street corner. And we played every Sunday that entire summer, yeah. you know, um, and so, yeah, that led to some other things as well. But that's, in essence, what Aaron Hill Trio is and Street Serenades. Thank you. So so the, here's this last one, and this is almost a um, a, a precursor to the rapid-fire ones because it's only requiring three words. Describe uh, the Baltimore – describe Baltimore through a jazz lens in three words. So I would say – Underrepresented world charm. Okay, I, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll, I'll give you that. That was that was some work right there. I'll give you that. Because <laughs> you took a beat, you were like, "Hold on." Yeah, right. I wanted to take that in. And here's the funny part, if I could add this. Yeah, please. I, I was gonna say underrated. Yeah. 
But I can't say underrated because you can only be underrated when you're more represent where more people just know about you, period. And then they have, you know, a, a, a feeling about, you know, you know, the rating. So under. What did I say? Under underrepresented, right? Underrepresented. Yeah. And maybe that's not even. But yeah, under I would say world charm. Yeah, um, underrepresented world. Is that a word? Underrepresented. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it is. It is. It's absolutely a word. Yeah. Um, hmm. I, it's. A, I guess it would be another way of saying world's best uh, kept secret. You know, if you will, a hidden gem. Hidden gem. Yeah. World. A world. World's hidden gem. Okay. So, you know what time it is. It's time for these rapid fire questions. I got three of them for you. All right. So wait a minute. What do we mean by rapid fire? What so I can make sure I'm cooperating because you see how I talk. <laughs> no, 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 no. So rapid fire, brevity is key here. Don't overthink them. Uh I, I'm gonna eventually just record that and have a button that just presses it because I feel like I say it to every guest. But <laughs> so um here's the first one. Three favorite venues to perform at in Baltimore. Keystone Corner, our house, Terra Cafe. Okay, one down. Um, this is actually a funny one, I think. What would the name of your memoir be? What's a memoir again? Like a <laughs> like a autobiography, like this is my my story. Got it. This is my story. Um King of the Hill. No. Right. <laughs> 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 What'd you say it was gonna be? So I said I said kind. Okay. <laughs> I always go for the I always go for the the bit. I always go for like here's the opportunity to take a bit for the person's name. Um but you but see that would be me thinking about it more. So that, <laughs> it's like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting how everybody processes like differently. Yeah. King of the Hill, Tales from a Renaissance Man. Boom. <laughs> done. Right. Done. Marketing right. guy. Let's go. Right. Yes. Yes. Hired. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here, here's the last one. And this is definitely putting back on that sort of uh, mindfulness hat. And it goes with your five M's. Um, uh, for the listeners, could you give them um, two mantras that, you know, could be just generally speaking, just super helpful and, you know, combating and, and just kind of working, working through today, you know, working through uh, life as we know it currently. Yes. This is a picture that I have. It's on Instagram. I haven't even pressed next to put the caption to post it, but this is literally the next thing that I'm putting up. It's a picture of me taking this. I'm, I'm looking actually in the mirror. The beach is behind me and I'm taking a picture of a mirror across the room from me. The quote is being honest with yourself that you are lost is the first key to finding yourself. Yeah. Acceptance, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. <clears throat> the second mantra would be, okay, this is rapid fire. So let me go. I got to stop. I see. You see where I was going. <laughs> All right. So I'll go with the one first came to mind. Um, uh, feel, feel good about, do what you can, do what you can, and don't feel guilty about what you can't do. I like that. I like that. And definitely, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a timely thing, um, especially when we're just all so busy. We're all yeah. working on the things that we're, we're working on. And, 
you know, you're, you're asked to do different things, different obligations and what have you. And it's only so much time, resources, energy, uh, bandwidth during the course of a day, week, whatever. So, you know, no need to feel bad about some of those things. And let me make it, uh, and I, I, you're right on point with that. No need to, it doesn't serve you. This will serve mantras are best experienced and taken in when they're made as personal I statements. So I would say that the mantra that you want to say to yourself is, I will do what I can and not feel guilty about what I can't do. That's great. I will do what I can and not feel guilty about what I can't do. That's great. And I think that, that uh, there's some value there for the uh, the folks listening. So uh, Aaron Hill helping out. Uh, so in the, in the last few moments here, um, uh, Telefying folks where they can check you out. And one again, thank you for, for coming on. Telefying folks uh, podcast, I mean, website, uh, social media, tell them where they can check you out. Um, and again, thank you. Yes, thank you. The most important thing to me in life is 5mselfcare.com. 5mselfcare.com for us to all heal and grow and take care of each other together. You can't heal if you can't be real. So go to 5mselfcare.com. And then other than that, you can find me everywhere online, social media, you know, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Google, at Aaron Hill's World. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Aaron Hill for coming on and sharing his story with me on The Truth in His Heart. And I'm your host, Rob Lee, saying that there is art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it.